Girls Who Product tells the stories of amazing women to inspire others to follow their path in the product area. This project is supported by Zalando. Welcome to our new guests of Girls Who Product and welcome back to those who have been following us for the past series. Today, as our special guest, we have Katerina. She's a product coach and a design thinking facilitator based in San Diego, California. Welcome, Katerina. Thank you. I'm super happy to be here. It's great to have you with us. Well, to start with, I would like to ask you, why have you chosen this path of a product manager in the first place? That's a good question. Um, I think with the, you know, I didn't choose. I think it chose me. <laughs> What's interesting about product management is that it's, um, and it's still not really the field that's being um, studied in the university or the college. So majority of the people or those that I know, we kind of fall in the product management by accident. So we do, we start doing something else and then we suddenly, you know, start wearing this hat where we are between the business and engineering and then design and we start taking ownership and start getting excited about seeing or identifying the problems and trying to solve them. And that just kind of, you know, after that puts you on that path. So if, you know, looking back, um, I don't think I consciously chose that field, but also the same time, looking back, I can say that um, I'm super excited that that decision was made. <laughs> That's fantastic. So you were born and you grew up in Russia. You even went to the university there for some years. If you look back from positive things, what do you remember from the life there? Yeah, so I grew up in Russia and I was 18 when I moved from the state uh, from the from Russia to the states so and they, the, the interesting thing I'm actually in Russia right now I'm visiting my parents <laughs> so you know things that I remember they're very different from things there today but you know when I was living when I was 18 it was a different place it was a different country but I was also a different person because, because you know, when you're 18, um, there are so many things um, and opportunities that you would want to see, but sometimes you just don't see them um, or, you know, they're not presented to you in a way that they presented, let's say today. So my, uh, some of my memories are really, you know, growing up in the Soviet Union, um, you know, I still remember some of the cues that we, um, that we were, you know, taking and standing and waiting, but it was, it wasn't bad, I guess, because, you know, being, being a kid, that memory is really, um, much brighter than if I were to go back in those times being an adult. So those memories are usually me being with my parents or, uh, us traveling, going to the Black Sea. Um, I was actually, I grew up in in the north, um, the Murmansk. So this is kind of like on the border with Finland. And at the age of 11, I moved all the way to the south, to the Black Sea. So it was a drastic change the weather-wise, but also people, because people, you know, southern versus a little bit more Nordic. <laughs> and the memories, you know, obviously maybe a little bit of hardship, um, but in the same time, I never had a feeling that 
I didn't have anything that um, I needed besides maybe some of those opportunities when I started turning 16, 17, and 18. And was it difficult for you to adapt to a new lifestyle when you moved to the United States? Yes, you know, surprisingly, um, it was not. Um, one, of, one of the things that happened with me also naturally is when I moved, I moved all the way to New York. And um, it's very naturally for someone from, you know, former Soviet Union countries when they move to New York, you know, you get uh, situated in Brooklyn and then you just kind of like fall into the Russian community. And it was very different for me because I never fell into that community. And again, maybe not really intentionally, um, maybe the intention followed later, but first it was just um, kind of weird, or a little bit odd for me to move from the place that, you know, everyone speaks Russian to the country that doesn't speak Russian, but really communicate with people that speak only Russian. That seemed to me a little weird. So the, the way I adapted was just, um, Kind of, you know, if you want to learn how to swim, just, <laughs> you know, jump in the ocean. And that's, that's what I did. I literally jumped in the um, almost day-to-day -day life of, you know, 19-year-old at that time with, you know, trying to find a job and then trying to figure out what's my next education path is and trying to figure out my college plans, all, you know, all that stuff. And what is your product philosophy nowadays? Um, so my product philosophy, um, and I have that quote on my, um, on my website, but uh, there is, um, I really like Elizabeth Churchill. She is, um, I think she's a VP of um, user experience at Google, but her philosophy really reflects what I came to understand and really feel when I build products, because um, to me, the product, it's not just something intangible. Uh, that exists kind of you know on its own and it's like virtual world or the software world it's really um, all about people because when you combine people and then you combine the needs of people and you combine um, some of the solutions together you are stumbling upon something very magical something that never existed before um, and that love for both people that i work with as well as the products i think it's um, combination that really reflects um, who I am. Well, and today you're advising at the initiative that's called Build by Girls. So their mission is to give young women the exposure, their skills and the network so they can land their first job in the tech world. How do you see your role in this organization? Uh, so this is the um, organization that helps. Um, I'm a mentor there. And so they call their mentors advisors. So what, um, I love the organization because it really um, provides something that I wished I had when I was 19 or 20 or 21, right before I was graduating from college. It provides an exposure to real life um, leaders, people who pass their way all the way from college times to where they are today and trying to connect college girls with real life examples of and really helping them to answer questions such as hey how is it to work in the corporation is there any um 
discrimination? Is there, how do I behave as a woman in the meeting when I'm 22? Uh, what do I do as an intern uh, in the company when all around me are just men? How do I make myself heard? So it's really just trying to bring that real life, but also empowering young women to choose their own path and be be very decisive about it and really understand that whatever decision you make you can always reverse and you can always um, do something else and how do you outreach to them or basically it's their job to find you yeah so this is the platform so they what they do is they match you with um so mentees getting matched with their advisors um so i don't really have to do anything but to make sure that um i work with with a mentee and then provide that ongoing support for the period of quarter it's usually um it's usually three months um and they do help you to kind of structure your meetings and really uh make sure that they're being heard that i help explore other avenues of their um, professional life and really help them to see you know the whole spectrum of um, professional careers and do you think that the talent has a date of expiry i think if the talent is not used if you don't take advantage of um, your perseverance um, if you don't add a little bit of grit if you don't um, set the goals the talent it doesn't expire but it might become irrelevant it might become um useless and i think there are a lot of studies that have been done um it's mostly about the growth mindset right that the talented people who understand that they're gifted but they don't put any efforts um into developing the talent and they really um defensive towards getting negative feedback but you know all constructive feedback but we know that constructive feedback actually helps us to grow so usually those um those people have troubles later on to um, not even match, but to exceed those who might not have as much talent, but have much more perseverance, greed, and kind of goal setting in their life. So yeah, the short answer is not really an expiry, but more of the irrelevance and kind of waste. Talking about waste and irrelevance, I'll bring up here a very specific historical fact. So from 1945 to 1991, the Soviet Union, every month there was published a magazine called Soviet Woman. I'm sure our parents still can remember it. So the main purpose of that magazine was to inform about different aspects of women's life in Soviet society. Of course, there was lots of propaganda, but also they have discussed very important topics like economics, politics, well if it existed back then. So culture, literature, and so on and so forth. Uh, so basically they were trying to create a guidelines for women how to show an example to the others and how to behave in that society back then. So now let's try to reflect it to our society. My question here is, do you think that there is a need for us to create a magazine only for women and call it something like product women? Well, so speaking about women and product, there is um an organization there is <laughs> there is no magazine but there is an organization that's uh, that already exists and i think it's led by or at least it was started by um vp of product um 
former VP of product at Slack. Um, my um, kind of, you know, honest view on um, forming magazines, like gender specific organizations or magazines is very, um, like I understand the intention. The intention is probably most likely is good at the beginning, but this is not the inclusion that we all trying to talk about that we're all trying to bring even as women right we talk about inclusion into in the technical uh like in software development uh being included in the meetings having our voice um represented so for me creating the magazine will be totally opposite from what we're trying to fight for so this is my honest opinion and then but that's not to say that we don't need support groups that we don't need to align as women and really bring those issues um, above the water which is happening today right it's just the way they're brought up i might not necessarily agree with those uh, but again intentions are good it's just the channels of how we how we're doing that well and how do you think the world would look like if men and women had the same rights from the very beginning of uh, our existence I think it would be a different probably would be a different world um so what's interesting is that right before you right before I jumped in on um on Zoom I was just reading that um World Economic Forum calculated that it's going to take about 252 or 57 years for women to reach the same um, level of rights and everything as men, which is 257 years. That's that's a lot. Thinking from you know um, like the span of the time that we live, but it's not a lot a lot from the um, civilization point of view. But the world where women and men are equal. Um, so are you let me go back i so were, were you referring more to us being equal or where we have the same the same rights that which eventually is meaning we are equal i think from my perspective uh I imply here more the civil right um so that okay that that makes sense so when it comes to the civil rights and i think we at some points of some points of time we were trying to achieve that but there was just we never we never did but the world, I think, honestly, I think the biological differences would always come up, even with the civil rights, unfortunately. Um, but going back and trying to answer your question directly <laughs> is, I think it could be a much better world. And I think this is what we all trying to do today, right? So we're trying to um, make a point that you know, just because I'm a woman, I don't have to get only like 82 cents for every dollar that the man does, right? It just means that um, if we are of the same, we have the same competencies, if we are at the same level of education, if I can, um, you know, if all things considered equal, why the pay should be different? Why am I being talked in the housewife? corner after taking let's say two years break of a maternity leave right things like that so the world where it's equal would be different but i don't think it would ever be 
equal. I think we would never be able to actually achieve equilibrium. There would be always forces pulling us up and down on either spectrum, either women getting too inclusive um, or exclusive or men getting in the way a little bit more. Coming back to your career, can you remember what was the most challenging for you on your career path? Uh, um, yeah, a couple of things. Um, one is, and one it still is, so one is really um, imposter syndrome. I think this is something that um, keeps coming back to, to all of us. Um, it, it's that feeling that sure drives me forward, but it also makes it hard to make my journey smooth, right? It's, it's always, kind of always gets in the way, you always have the chatter, you have always that inner critic who comes in and starts, you know, criticizing you. So it's been very challenging early in my career as I moved into product management and started having meetings with, um, my engineers, and again, looking at the structure of the team, it would be mostly guys, right? So 95% women, uh, 95% men, and maybe 5% women. So it was very difficult to overcome that I'm never good enough, that, you know, I don't, um, they don't hear me, or I'm not getting my point across. So that's number one. And then the second is, um, I think the second point, um, admitting to myself and to others when I don't know something. And I think it, it's, it has, to me, it has um, a very interesting background. I think it comes down, it goes back all the way to gender. So, you know, again, being, being a woman, admitting in front of, your team that is relying on you for making decision when you don't know something. Um, I always felt like, well, I'm supposed to know everything. I'm a product manager, I'm a leader. I need to um, know answer to this and to that and to this. Um, so that's kind of like number one, the, the gender. And the second, I think it's that Soviet Union back, background where, <laughs> you know, the A-type a student where, you know, I have to know all the answers, I have to be the best, I have to be perfect. So that a bit of a perfectionism would always um, get in the way. So it's been a bit of a practice for me in the last few years um, where, you know, I um, openly admit when I don't know things and I started seeing drastic changes in the way people perceive me, but also in the way I let go of things and the way we collaboratively start solving problems after that. Well, nevertheless, it seems like you overcame your, your fears because today you are coaching at heart at higher club, if I get it right. And basically you're helping people to grow in their career. So I found on your website and on the various profile, your coaching profiles that your clients leave amazing comments about you. So it's always five stars. What is it that makes you such a great coach for them? I think that would be a good question to ask them. <laughs> but since we can't, uh, well, I, I'll tell you the feedback that, um, that I'm, I'm getting. Um, well, no, I'm not gonna. Well, feedback, you, you, yeah, feedback is easily accessible. But I, 
I'll tell you my hypothesis, I guess. So the way I approach kind of any type of problem and then, you know, switching the career, growing a new career, it's, it's a problem which turns into opportunity, right? So, and I always approach that also from the, a bit of a product management background where I first try to understand what is that problem that we're trying to solve um, if, I'm, if I'm working with a client and then really trying to um, first make sure that I hear them and I understand, right? So first I'm really looking to understand instead of being first trying to be understood. So that's number one. And given that, you know, 95%, maybe even 99% of all of us, we all, like we all human beings, we, no matter how, um, different we think we are we actually are not we're all going through the same type of struggles and we'll suffer in a very similar ways um we just you know the way it's it's the way we it, it manifests itself it's slightly different right going back to anna karenina all happy families you know happy equally happy but unhappy then happy in their own ways and that's kind of goes back to coaching too is that first trying to hear them trying to really emphasize and then build a roadmap. Again, really blending my product management background is all about um, building a roadmap and trying to identify how do we get to that um, ideal vision where they want to be. Coming back to Anna Karenina, do you think that you have completed your main mission in your life? Oh, not at all, not at all. I think I'm just scratching the surface um, here and there in my my view for a long time has been, you know, just throwing a lot of things on the wall and trying to see what sticks. And that's why, you know, I tend to try a lot of things and then try to dip my feet in this water and then the different, try a little bit of everything to see what, um, what is that that's really, um, maybe not the mission, but the meaning that eventually turns into mission, right? What am I doing here? What am I here for? And what kind of legacy do you want to leave after yourself? So when I was a little younger, I, you know, there was always an aspiration to have an impact on a more global, in a more global way. Right. As I'm getting a little bit more, um, like with the years, as I'm getting a little bit more older, I'm realizing that um, sometimes all it matters is to impact one person's life, one community, elevate community experience to something that they haven't seen before or really eliminate some of those problems and needs that they experience into a different level. Um, so my legacy would be if I, you know, if an individual or a community uh, that I leave behind after I leave are not where they used to be in the beginning and then they experience greater um, sense of meaning for themselves greater sense of um or better quality of life or if some of the problems that they thought were their problems either they change the way they look at them or they don't exist in that way anymore
but again, I think that's always evolving. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I feel it myself with my short 25 years. I think I, ha I have a feeling that I've, I've lived through 10 lives at least. So <laughs> I guess it will change with the course of time. Um, well, as you know, Girls Who Product um, is aiming to inspire other women to join the product community. Or if not, if it's not joining the product community, then it's just gaining some confidence in themselves. How do you think that we as a society can support women in um, not being afraid, uh, taking over the leadership positions and uh, leading in general? I think number one is really um, support and role models. It's, you know, when we are growing up um, and when we see others doing extraordinary things, such as, let's say, you know, women moving into um, leadership roles that have never seen before women at that at that level, right? So the support and the role models, I think, are very important. Because the thing is, if you don't have anyone you're looking up to, it's really it's really easy to give up or to find excuses. Like why me, I've no one done it before or I haven't seen anyone doing that. It's okay, I'm just gonna stick, stick around here on the bottom or like, you know, I'm, I'm good where I am. Um, I think the second is really um, that it, as we are raising girls, um, you know, and then they go in through, um, they're, you know, puberty, they're going into like adulthood. I think it's that encouragement that should come from the families and, you know, our parents. Um, again, going back to the role, role models, I think mothers are the first role models that we see, right, when we're born. So if we have um, strong women in the, in the family, being the mother and aunt or grandmother, I think it sets a really good example and provides support. It provides everything that we need for their aunt and education as well. Um, and then education really in the, um, like a true sense of education, right? When you go into college or university, really um, empowering women to join the clubs and then really blurring any type of um, borders between, you know, um, girls club only or boys club only, right? Because if we really want to make sure that women move in leadership um, and we stick to those borders, um, then sure, women can be the, in, in the leadership position, but in that very exclusive way, instead of um, in a very inclusive way. So I think those are, in my opinion, through like three, three major elements um, to empowering women um, to move into those leadership roles. And what kind of advice would you give to women who want to jump into the product profession? Maybe you can send them some inspiring message. I, you know, as you just said, just jump in there. <laughs> uh, the thing is, um, what I'm seeing in the last several years, probably last two, three years, product has become a hot field to be. So I'm seeing actually quite a lot of women joining, um, joining product, which is both very inspiring and yeah, just inspiring to see young women out of college um, trying to understand first what the product management is and really trying to break in, start, you know, at the associate level, 
or start at the business analyst level and really move into product. So my advice would be if you enjoy, um, if you enjoy solving problems, if you enjoy first even finding those problems and really understand what makes us human beings tick, what makes us um, do things the way we do. And if you like to work with people collaboratively, I think there is no reason not to give it a try because as, you know, as I mentioned before, and it's one of the principles that I'm trying to stick, um, I think I read it, I think Jeff Bezos um, said that is, you know, there is really not too many decisions that are irreversible. So majority of the decisions that we make are really, you know, low stake. We can always change, change them if we get more data, if we just are not happy where we are. So my advice would be always um, find someone who can tell you a little bit more about it and then just get in, you know, there is, as long as you have support from at least one person, um, that's enough to start creating your own path. Yeah, thank you very much. So we're coming to an end of our interview. And at the end of each interview, I ask my guests um, a set of rapid fire questions. So it's kind of these or that type of questions. Uh, out of two options, you need to choose one. You ready? Sure, let's fire it up. Human for products or products for humans? Human for products. Individual coaching or peer coaching? Individual. Well, I know that you're a yoga teacher, so yama or niyama? Niyama. Uh, well, now this question is for the lovers of Russian cuisine. Olivia salad or a double cheeseburger? Wait, none of them, but okay, I'll do Olivia salad. <laughs> swim in the ocean or swim in the river? Ocean. Problem thinking or solution thinking? Problem thinking. Classical ballet or contemporary dance? Classical ballet. American rock or Russian rock? American. Books or magazines? Books. And the last one, love or money? Love. This was Katerina Suchkova. Thank you for listening.